the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Don't bring your offerings to me and and the temple anymore. But the people of Judah continue. They continue to come to the temple in their hypocrisy. They, They didn't repent. And God became so disgusted with their religious phoniness and with their compromise that, listen, he rather have the Babylonians come in and loot the temple and destroy it than to have the people of Israel to continue coming in their hypocrisy. God desires authentic worship and interaction with us. As Pastor Dan will stress in today's message, God hates hypocrisy and phoniness. He'd rather we come before Him with all of our anger and doubt and lay it all out and come in and put on a facade of righteousness in an effort to earn His favor by our merit. For many Christians, we're guilty of that hypocrisy. How often have you gone to church after an absolutely horrible week, full of failures and heartache, and you pretend everything's just great? Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Lamentations, chapter 2, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Lamentations is a postscript to the book of Jeremiah. The focus of chapter 2 is the consequence of sin. Consequence of sin. And remember from our study of Jeremiah, we're talking about Jerusalem, we're talking about the kingdom of Judah, and with Judah we're talking about a long protracted sin. We're talking about ongoing sin. Uh, we're, not, we're not talking about uh, falling short or occasionally wandering into sin for a brief time and then coming back. We're not talking about people who struggled to overcome their sin and they were fighting to you know, do the right thing uh, and there was this struggle. We're talking about a people who were living a lifestyle of, of just ongoing sin, accommodating sin, accepting sin, there, there was no sense of turning from it or trying to repent of it or getting out of it. Uh, and remember, Jeremiah warned them for over 40 years and called the nation of Judah to repent of their sins for over 40 years. And, and they just wouldn't, they had no interest in that. And they wouldn't listen to him. Um, and so we see now in chapter 2 that just the consequence of just an ongoing lifestyle of sin, We see the cost, we see the damage that sin brings, and, and I think the takeaway from this chapter is that sin is just not worth it. Sin is just not worth it. That's the lesson of Lamentations. 
it's not worth it. Yes, sin is pleasurable for a season, but over a long period of time, it's not worth it. The consequences are too great. The price is too high. Um, Something else that we see here in chapter 2 that's worth noting uh, is in chapter 2, it's very clear that God is seen as the one who caused the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, God used the Babylonian army to destroy Jerusalem and Judah. Uh, We saw that in the book of Jeremiah, that God used uh, the Babylonians. Uh, In fact, in the book of Jeremiah, uh, the word Babylon, Chaldeans, Nebuchadnezzar, we we find those three words used 164 times. Uh, So they, they were the instrument that God used to judge Jerusalem and to judge Judah. But when we come to Lamentations, Babylon's not mentioned at all. Nebuchadnezzar is not mentioned at all. And instead, God is seen as the one who judged Jerusalem and Judah. God is the primary cause here. He just used Babylon to carry it out, but God is the cause of the judgment. Again, we talked about this last week. Um, you know, the, the you know, the, the judgment of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, uh, it, it caused a theological crisis for some of the people uh, of Judah. You know, why would God allow this to happen to us? And what chapter 2 shows us is not only did God allow it, but God is the one who did it uh, to them. Uh, 26 times in chapter 2, we see the phrase, He has, speaking of God, He has. God has done this. He has done this. We see the phrase, the Lord, uh, used over and over as well in this this chapter. So, verse 1. How the Lord has covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in His anger. He cast down from heaven to the earth the beauty of Israel and did not remember His footstool in the day of of his anger. Again, we see the Lord here. The Lord has covered Zion or Jerusalem with his anger, like a black cloud covering the city. It says he has cast down the beauty of Israel, which was the temple. He has cast down the temple. Again, he used Babylon to carry it out, but God is the one who did it. This was God's doing. It says he did not remember his footstool. His footstool is a reference to the Ark of the Covenant, which was in the Holy of Holies in the temple. Uh, In Psalm 132, it says, Let us go into His tabernacle. Let us worship at His footstool. It's speaking of the Ark that sat in the Holy of Holies. And you know that the, the presence of God rested on top of the Ark, above the mercy seat. God's presence was represented there at the ark. And so the, the footstool or the ark is where the people of God could come and, and worship before Him in His presence at the temple. Worship at the footstool of God. But if you remember from our Jeremiah study, when the people of Judah came to, to the temple in Jerusalem, they came in hypocrisy. They came in hypocrisy. Uh, they, they worshipped other gods. They had other gods that they uh, that they uh, worshipped and believed in and trusted in. They had these idols that they worshipped. Uh, back in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 28, for example, God said the people of Judah 
as, have as many gods as they do towns in Judah. Uh, in Jeremiah 7, we're told they even brought their idols into the courts of the temple and set them up in the courts of the temple in Jerusalem so that they had their idolatry at the same time that they were going to worship Yahweh, Jehovah, at the temple. Uh, the word for that is syncretism. where they're, they're synchronizing the worship of idols with the worship of the true God. And, and they thought that was okay to do. They thought that that was perfectly fine, that they could have these idols that they worshipped. Uh, and at the same time, they still went to the temple to worship Yahweh. They still kept the feast. They still made the sacrifices. They still said the prayers. They still had all of their religious activities. Uh, and, and God became sick of their hypocrisy. In fact, I want you to listen to what God says in Isaiah chapter 1. God says to the people of Israel, What makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord? I am sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fatted cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgust me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they are all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, as they would come into the temple, who would raise their hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. That's what God thought about their worship in the temple. Again, He says, I'm sick of it. It disgusts me. I hate it. I can't stand it. Stop it. Don't bring your offerings to me in the temple anymore. But the people of Judah continue. And they continue to come to the temple in their hypocrisy. They, they didn't repent. And, and God became so disgusted with their religious phoniness and with their compromise that, listen, He rather have the Babylonians come in and loot the temple and destroy it than to have the people of Israel to continue coming in their hypocrisy. But just think about that. Think about that for a moment. That God said, essentially, I, I, I'd rather not have a temple. I'd rather not dwell with you. I'd rather not have a place where we can meet than let you continue to show up here in your hypocrisy. Wow. God really hates hypocrisy. He really hates religious hypocrisy. He hates phoniness. He, he hates when we're, you know, one thing out there, outside of church, and then come into church and we act, you know, spiritual and godly and, and right with God. 
He hates phoniness. Now, you know, we can walk in the light with Him. The blood of Jesus Christ, it says, continually cleanses us of all of our unrighteousness. We can confess our sins to Him. And He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. But He hates hypocrisy. He hates phoniness. And God says here, I'd rather tear down the building and not have it at all than to tolerate this. And so that's what he did. He tore it down. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Verse 2, the Lord has swallowed up, has not pitied all the dwelling places of Jacob. He has thrown down in his wrath the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He has brought them down to the ground. He has profaned, profaned the kingdom and its princes. Without mercy, God destroyed, it says, every home, every dwelling place of Jacob, every home in in Israel. I've mentioned this in previous studies, that when archaeologists excavated in Israel down to the layer of the Babylonian destruction, in almost every home they excavated, they found idols. They found little idols in just about every home. Thousands of idols. Idolatry became common. It became normal. Among the people of Israel. Everyone had their own little gods in their home that they worshipped. Behind closed doors in private. But they still went to the temple. They still kept the feasts. And they still kept all the the rituals and, and, and everything. They still had a form of godliness. You know, the first of the Ten Commandments is you shall have no other God before me. Literally, I don't want to see any other God in my sight. I don't want you to have any other gods in your life at all. And they they had thousands of gods behind closed doors. Verse 3 says, He has cut off in fierce anger every horn of Israel. He has drawn back His right hand from before the enemy. He has blazed against Jacob like a flaming fire devouring all around, it says here that the Lord God, he has, he has cut off in his fierce anger every horn of Israel. And the horn speaks of strength. Uh, the horn of an animal is its strength. And so the horn in the Bible is a symbol of strength. It's a symbol of, of power. Usually it's speaking of military power. And it says here that God cut off every horn of Israel. He removed Israel's strength. He made Israel powerless. It says he has drawn back his, his right hand from before the enemy. The right hand is the hand of favor. It's the hand of honor. It's the hand of, 
of blessing. For example, the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Jesus has the place of honor and in heaven. He has the place of favor in heaven. Verse 3 here says that God has withdrawn his right hand from Judah. He has withdrawn his favor. He has withdrawn his honor. It says, notice, from before the enemy or as the enemy was attacking. That's when God removed his hand of favor. As the enemy was attacking, God lifted his hand of favor from them. Again, God is the one doing this. He withdrew his favor from Judah in the face of their enemy, and he allowed them to be defeated because of their sin and because of their rebellion that they refused to repent of after 40 years of Jeremiah warning them and calling them to repent. God finally just lifted his hand of favor from them, his hand of blessing in the face of their enemy, and he allowed them to be defeated. And there's a very important A spiritual lesson in that for us. God will allow us to suffer. God will allow us to suffer. God will allow us to go through pain. God will allow us to even be defeated if that suffering will bring us to the place of repentance. If that suffering will bring us to the place of repentance where we turn our hearts back to Him. God will withdraw His hand temporarily, if that's what it takes to get us to turn back. Just like a parent who shows a child discipline, who shows a child tough love, because it's what's best for the child, it's what's best for the development of that child, so that they develop into a mature person, a responsible person. And if necessary, God will allow us to suffer who allow us to experience pain, who allow us to be defeated, if that is what is required to turn our hearts back to Him. You know, in the Psalms, in Psalm 119, verse 67, the psalmist says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. The the affliction caused the psalmist to turn back to the Lord and began to keep His word and walk in His ways again. The psalmist goes on in verse 71 to say, My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. My suffering got my attention. God used suffering to get His attention. For now, now He pays attention to His decrees. You know, affliction isn't always a bad thing. Suffering's not always a bad thing. It's, it's miserable going through it. We don't want to go through it, but sometimes God can use that in our lives to get our attention. And I, and I would say we probably have all experienced that to various degrees. Where some kind of trial comes into our life, some kind of suffering, some kind of difficulty, uh, and it gets our attention. And we get serious about God. And we get serious about seeking Him. We get serious about praying. And we get into the Word of God and we're searching the Scriptures like never before and reading our Bible and we're confessing sin and getting things into the light. And, and, and those are all good things that result from affliction. That affliction brings out. That's what He does here with the people of Judah. 
he lifts his right hand from them. Look at verse 4. Standing like an enemy, he has bent his bow with his right hand like an adversary. He has slain all who were pleasing to his eye. On the tent of the daughter of Zion, he has poured out his fury like fire. The Lord was like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all her palaces. He has destroyed her strongholds. And he and has increased mourning and lamentation in the daughter of Judah. Notice the word like in verses 4 and 5. God was like an enemy. He was like an adversary against Judah. He was not Judah's enemy. He was not Judah's adversary, but he was like an enemy. He was like an adversary against them. The Bible says God chastens whom he loves. He chastens whom he loves. And when God uh, chastens us or disciplines us, he does so because he loves us. Now, when that happens, it may feel like to us that God has become our enemy. That God's against me. But that's not true. That's not true. He, he, he hasn't turned against us. He's not our enemy. He's not against us. He's for us. That's why he's doing that. That's why he's, he's bringing that affliction. He wants us to succeed. He, he wants us to get it right. That's why he's correcting us. Again, it may feel like God's our enemy, but he's not. He has done violence to his tabernacle, to the temple, as if it were a garden. He has destroyed his place of assembly. The Lord has caused the appointed feasts and Sabbaths to be forgotten in Zion. In his burning indignation, he has spurned the king and the priest. Uh, Again, verse 6, he has done violence to his tabernacle as it were a garden. In Israel, when you plant a garden, you have to remove all of the stones and all of the rocks first because there's rocks everywhere. And here he, he says that God treated his temple like a garden, removing all of the stones of the temple. Remember the, uh, the, the people of Babylon, the army of Babylon destroyed the temple and then began to dismantle the city and take down the walls stone by stone of the city as if it were a garden where he's removing the stones from his garden. Look what it says in verse 6 again. He has done violence, notice, to his tabernacle. As if it were a garden. He has destroyed his place of assembly. The Lord has caused the appointed feasts and Sabbaths to be forgotten in Zion. In his burning indignation, he has spurned the king and the priests. Look at verse 7. The Lord has spurned his altar. He has abandoned his sanctuary. He has given up the walls of her palaces into the hand of the enemy. They have made a noise in the house of the Lord. It's the Lord's house. And on the day of a set feast. Again, notice in verses 6 and 7. It's his tabernacle. It's his place of assembly. It's his altar. It's his sanctuary. It's his house. It's the Lord's. It's his The temple belonged to God. And the temple was supposed to be all about God. But over time, the the people of Judah, had they just forgot about God when they would go to the temple. And it was no longer about God when they would go to the temple. They lost sight of God. He asked me how I know and 
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan. Thanks for joining us as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the Book of Lamentations. During the time Lamentations was written, Jerusalem was being destroyed. But in the midst of Jerusalem's destruction, there was still the hope of God. When life around you seems to be falling apart, do you place your hope in the Lord? If you'd like to hear more teachings like this one from Pastor Dan, visit our website at calvaryec.com. You can listen to and download a wide range of previous broadcasts or simply subscribe to our podcast. Our podcast provides you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you go. This way, you'll have encouragement from God's Word throughout the day. You'll find a link to subscribe at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth on iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life, so please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. When you call, feel free to share any prayer requests, and we'd be happy to pray with and for you. We truly hope today's message has been a blessing to you. That's all for now. Tune in next time as Pastor Dan continues teaching verse by verse through the Book of Lamentations, right here on Ring of Truth. It's true.